Once again, we come before you in prayer. We thank you for the privilege that we as sinful, mortal human beings can stand in the very presence of the Creator God. We know that you want to hear our prayers. You've said so in your word. Lord, we ask that you would take this time that we have dedicated to your worship and that you would allow us to do just that, to lift up your name, to glorify you, to bring praises and thanksgiving to you. And yet, Lord, the greatest form of worship we can give is a surrender of our will, our heart, and our lives through this coming week to your precious word. We ask that you would give us grace that we may serve thee and that our worship this morning would extend through all the week that is yet to come. In your name we pray. Amen. Please remove in your Bibles, if you would, to John chapter 20. John chapter 20. I want us to look basically at just one verse in the Scriptures this morning, one phrase from this one verse. The others that surround it explain it and, and help fill in. And uh, we'll just read verse 31, the last verse of John chapter 20. But these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. Let me read that one more time. But these things are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. These words were written by the Apostle John as he put down the story of Jesus. You know, I don't believe there's another book in history that has more criticism. It's just one of the earmarks of the day in which we live. But that doesn't mean that you need to surrender. It doesn't mean that you need to just simply fold up into a little ball and say, well, I believe the Bible because it's the Bible because I want to. And, and, and you know, that's kind of my choice. And, and uh, well, you can have your own truth if you want it. Don't adopt the foolishness of the fools. Truth is not something that belongs to an individual. Truth is not something that can be molded and shaped. You cannot own the truth. The fact that you put your purchase price tag on it and put your name on it takes the truth and molds it into a lie. It would be the same idea as trying to say, the law of gravity only works on this platform. Something wrong with that statement, is there not? Because it, it works everywhere. Uh, don't try to prove it too hard. It can be very painful. Uh, how many of you tried to be an astronaut in the second grade? And uh, climbed up into the tree, you know, and you had your cape on like Superman. And I mean, everything was just going to work, wasn't it? Till you hit the ground. You see, you can say that you own the truth. You can say it belongs to you. But the fact that it is truth denies that. 
Because truth is bigger than any individual. Are we still together? You got to think a little bit. or We're going to miss what's here in this passage. You see, these things are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And that believing you might have life through His name. How many of you remember the Da Vinci Code? What was his name? Idiot Brown. I remember his last name is Brown. Uh, Ron or something like that. Uh, he had discovered all this new material about Jesus that nobody else had. Does anybody remember that? And a lot of people got nervous. And I remember uh, having a discussion with someone and and, and, and in fact, Brother Franz will remember this in our mint class, our training for men in the ministry at that time. And, and, and uh, said, you know, you, you probably ought to spend a sermon on Sunday morning rebutting Mr. Brown and his book. And I said, I'm not going to waste time on Sunday morning dealing with that idiot. If somebody wants to believe that stuff, You've already got to make a choice to reject what the Bible has said. You see, did you read the verse before, verse 30? And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. You see, not everything that Jesus did is recorded in the Bible. And someone will say, yes, that's why we need the epistle of Thomas and the epistle of Barnabas and, and other books of the pseudepigrapha to find out what's right. Now, the pseudepigrapha is the scholarly title for these books. Uh, if we were to call them what they really ought to, pseuda, pseudo is the Greek prefix for false. Pigrapha is writings, pen, writings. So, why aren't they called the books of lies? Because that's exactly what pseudepigrapha means. False books or books of lies. Now, I mean, we have this demonstrated every year. Congress tries to or does not pass a budget. Pseudepigrapha. It's just a pack of lies. Do you know what a budget cut is? That means that we reduce the amount of increase in the expenditures from the previous year. So if the previous year we had a 9% increase in spending, and this year we only increase spending 8%, it's a budget cut. How many of you wish you could do that with your paycheck? Uh, but let me warn you, there's a prison sentence waiting for all who try. What Jesus is, what John is saying here is, there is so much information about Jesus that we possi could not possibly record it all. 
In fact, if you just turn over the page with me, in verse 25 of chapter 21, the last verse of the book here, it said, There are also many other things which Jesus did, the which, if they should be written, every one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. Now, that's not just hyperbole. You read through the Bible. Jesus got an awful lot accomplished in those three and a half years. More than we could take time to record. And if all of them were recorded, your Bible would not be a book that you could hold in your hand. It would be a book that would be confined to libraries. How could you read your Bible in a year? How could you know your Bible intimately if the volume were that huge? What John is saying is, we've recorded just a summary of the knowledge so that you can have everything you need to believe and to know that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. You see, the reason people are looking for things that aren't in the Bible is because no honest person has ever controverted the evidence that is recorded in this book. I could give you names of people used to be pretty famous uh, they've kind of fallen into the realm of the unknown. Uh, most of you have seen, I'm sure, something of Ben-Hur, you know, Charlton Heston riding the horses. The guy that started that movie set out to disprove Christianity. He studied the Bible. He became a Christian. Dozens and dozens of men down through the ages have said, I will prove once and for all the evidence in the scriptures that is recorded is false. Either they quit trying or they became believers. That's what John is saying in these verses. You see... What good is it going to do for you to search through, literally, the ash cans of history to find something to argue against the Bible when you can't disprove what has already been written? We are not, as many people assemble in the name of Jesus today, here because my grandfather was a Baptist. His grandfather was a Baptist. I was Baptist born, and when I'm dead, I'll be Baptist dead. I've met a few people like that. But my father wasn't a Baptist. Neither was my mother. I didn't grow up that way. I didn't become a Baptist because I went to a Baptist college. I begin to study the Bible. 
And you know what I found out? I didn't have the right to ask Jesus to join my church because he'd already started his. And that's why I became a Baptist. I hope you are here for the reason I am here. The purposeful study of this book called the Bible. To be encouraged by it. Because as I study this book called the Bible, that's where true life is. As we begin going through this, and we will in a minute, I just want to jump ahead if I may. And I've had people over the years, and and they'll say, you know, you're sure we're lucky. You you found uh, uh, you 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 found something that you wanted to do, and you've been doing it all your life. You found a wife that loves you, and and you've had a good family. You were really lucky. I want to scream at them because it's not lucky. It wasn't by chance. I am doing what I'm doing because I want to serve God. When I was 16 years old, I had to make a choice as to whether I was going to follow my plan for my life or follow God's plan. I had some family members saying, but you're giving up so many things. Let me tell you something. I've never given up anything for Christ. What he has given me is far more than I could have ever expected. You know how I found my wife? Serving God. You know what she was doing when I found her? Serving God. I mean, uh, that, that is what this verse means, that you might have life through His name. It's in understanding what the Bible says and making those decisions. In Sunday school, we studied the life of Saul this morning. He is the antithesis of the verses. I didn't really plan it this way, but he is the antithesis of what we are looking at here. There are many things that Jesus did that aren't recorded in the Scripture. Don't go looking for them. Take care of what's already been written down. It's not... A carefully crafted history. Read Second Peter chapter 1. They're not cunningly devised fables. Peter says we were eyewitnesses. We saw these things. And you know what the first response is when you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? These guys, they don't agree with each other. There's little bits of the stories that don't make sense. Well, that is a cursory, a very summary reading of what is there, just as if you were to go to the corner and get the testimony of half a dozen people that witnessed an accident. If you just took the words of what they said at the very beginning in no context, you would have four different stories. You would say, there must have been four different accidents here. Uh, I don't know what this person saw, but they didn't see what this person saw. Hey, that's what Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are eyewitness accounts of what happened. There are going to be little differences, but I'll, I'll promise you this, if you'll get down and 
and really study what is written there, you'll find a perfect interlocking agreement with the testimonies that are written. One that cannot be judged as inaccurate in any way. Now, can you answer every question that was in the Word of God? If you could, you'd be smart as God is. I don't know anybody honest that makes that claim. But instead of worrying about the things I can't understand, I'm supposed to get a hold of the things that I can. Have you ever met someone? Well, maybe I should start this with the definition. How many people know what a specialist is? A specialist is someone who is trained to know more and more about less and less. Isn't that correct? A doctor who is a highly specialized field. I remember going to a doctor one time. I had a problem with my hand and... and. Uh, and I, I showed him, he said, listen, he said, I'm not that kind of doctor. I said, but it says you're a hand surgeon. He says, yeah, but I only know how to do this part of surgery. I don't know how to do that part of surgery. You know what? I found out that he was so classified in, in his study that he was no earthly good to me. My problem wasn't that complicated. Praise God. We have people in the realm of scholarship who are specialists. They know more and more about less and less until they know absolutely everything about nothing. <laughs> you ever meet anybody like that? God doesn't want any specialist. And I know that's not good English, but it got the point across now, didn't it? You see... As we leave the protection of the words of this book, all we do is make ourselves pray to the devil. These things are written. It says, but these things are written that ye might believe. Now, what are we supposed to believe? That Jesus is the Christ. That is such a simple statement. In fact, Matthew, uh, Paul put it this way in Romans chapter 10, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. That little article, the, is very important. It means one. Not one of many. That is a. The means one. How many people through the ages have claimed to be the Christ? Is anybody here old enough to remember the wacko from Waco? David Koresh? He couldn't, re he couldn't really figure out whether he was actually Jesus Christ incarnate or maybe one of the great prophets. Of course, uh, what was her name, the attorney general there? She took care of that. See, when you're dead, you don't have to worry about who you were. Kind of scary, isn't it? But that's where that kind of reasoning will take you. 
I went to Bible college with the guy. Always thought he was really spiritual. We'd be sitting there at church, and of course, I'd have, I was with a group of friends from school, and we'd be joking and talking about different things. He's reading his Bible. And, uh, wow. I thought, maybe I, sh- maybe I should be more spiritual like he is until I found out he thought he was Jesus Christ. Kind of a contradiction in the scripture. And, uh, he got kicked out of college for that. Good thing. What a mess. I'm sure you all remember the Beatles. You ought to do with them what you do with other bugs. Amen. But they, they sang a song. He is Lord. And everybody thought, all those sweet little long-haired boys love Jesus. No, they don't. No, they never did. If you listen to the second recording, they were chanting Hare Krishna in the background. That's an Indian guru who claimed to be Jesus Christ. Dodge got into it a few years ago and ran a whole set of commercials on the Anointed One. It was supposed to be about somebody who could give you better financing, I think. That's blasphemy. The word Christ is Greek for anointed one. The Hebrew word is Messiah. When the Bible says that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, it means a rejection of everyone, everything, all other organizations, even those that use his name. Because no church died for you on the cross. No organization resurrected from the grave on the third day. I don't care how old it is or how wonderful they claim to be or all the good they do. There's only one Christ and His name is Jesus. And this book was written that we might discard everyone, everything, anything else. And believe that Jesus is the Christ. I am not a Bible-believing Baptist because it was simply my choice. I am who I am in the ministry because there are no other alternatives. If I am going to believe this whole book called the Bible, I must be who I am. Now, I know that's a harsh statement and people get upset when you talk like that. But let me explain something to you. The Bible does not give alternate methods of baptism in the scripture. It only gives one. The Bible does not give alternate opportunities of church polity, how a church is to be organized and how it's to be run. It only gives one way. It says Jesus is the head of the church. If he is the Christ, and the Bible says he is, these things are written that we might believe that he is the Christ then we do not have room or alternatives to change God's word to make it easier for us. 
it's exactly the opposite. We are the ones to our, who are to be made uncomfortable so that we might conform to the words of this book called the Bible. Can we say amen to that? Amen. If you believe that today, if you don't, we need to get that changed. These things are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ. Uh, they're working on, I just copied an article, Wycliffe Bible Translators, who probably the largest Bible translation organization today in working on uh, languages and things. And they are taking the word Trinity out of their Bibles, especially the ones that go to the Middle East, because that concept might be offensive to Muslim people. Now, I'm sorry if this book called the Bible is offensive to you, but it must be in order for you to turn from yourself and accept the fact that Jesus is the Christ. How many of you were offended when the Bible condemned you as a sinner? You ought to have been. But when the Bible's right, you take your offense to God and He'll forgive you for your sins and then you're no longer a sinner. If you were dying of some disease... Would you want the doctor to come to you and say, now, you know, uh, we've diagnosed you with something that will probably lead to your death in six to eight months uh, if it's untreated, but we really don't want to bother you with it. And so uh, if, you, if you want to know more about it, come see me at a later date, but we'll be very careful not to offend you. I'll tell you what. I'd be grabbing that doctor by both shoulders and say, tell me what's wrong. Let's get it fixed. If it can't be fixed, I'll trust God. Amen. If it can be, let's get the medicine out and go through this thing so that my life can be spared to use to serve him. Amen. But when it comes to the word of God, we try to make it non-offensive. It says... These things are written, but these things are written that ye might believe. Everything that you need to know to understand that there is no other way to heaven but through the shed blood of Jesus Christ on the cross in his empty tomb is recorded in the pages of this book called the Bible. Do not seek for confirmation anywhere else. Don't go in the closet and close yourself up until you see the light. It may be just the fact that somebody opened the door and hit you in the head with it. I don't know. But let me tell you, you're not going to find confirmation of God's word anywhere outside this book. How many of you remember a guy named Oral Roberts wrote a silly little song. I remember God said it and I believe it and that settles it for me. Does anybody else remember that stupid little ditty? I'll tell you what. God said it. That settles it. Whether you believe it or not. Truth does not change. These things are written that ye might believe. 
The Bible tells us that wide is the gate and broad is the way which leadeth unto destruction and many be that go in thereat. Well, that's the truth. But I don't want anybody making that choice based upon a lie. If you're going to reject Christ, be it known unto you, the only way you're going to miss heaven is by rejecting the truth that Jesus is the Christ. If you're going to go to hell, you've got to step over the cross to get there. And if that's the choice you make, I can't stop you. I would if I could. God does not give the dominion of other souls to men. He gives the dominion of your soul to yourself. And you must choose to whom you will surrender that dominion. If you'll surrender it to the Word of God, you'll believe the things that are written here so that you can know beyond any shadow of doubt that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Someone said, but I don't believe God has any sons. Read the Scriptures. Read Proverbs chapter 31. What is his name and what is his son's name if thou canst tell? Where in the world did that come from? God said, let us make man in our image. Who was he talking to? He was talking to the son. God has made himself manifest in the flesh. His name is Jesus the Christ. It says, but these things are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. But it doesn't end there, praise God. And that believing, and that believing, you might have life through His name. I've met a few people over the years and they said, well, I tried that Jesus thing. It didn't work. Uh, Let me tell you something. You can't try Jesus. I've had others who have argued the point. Well, what if I decide I want to stop believing in Jesus? Listen, if you can stop it, then you started it. And if it's all about you, It's not Bible salvation. Now, I'm not a Calvinist. I don't believe that Jesus ordained certain people to go to heaven and ordained others to go to hell. I refuse to accept the reasoning of a medieval lawyer trying to explain the Word of God. And that's what John Calvin was. What I do believe is that if I'll believe that He is the Christ, I can believe and have life through His name. One preacher put it this way. He said, there's an awful long distance between you and heaven. He said, but if you'll take the first little step in that direction, God will take a step towards you. And praise God, His steps are a little bigger than yours are. Amen? He will do everything that is necessary for you to go to heaven if you'll just believe in His name.
if you'll believe that He is the Christ. You see, believing is not just something you do once. It's a life process. Yes, the prayer of salvation is a one-time event. You believe, you ask God to save you, guess what? He saves you forever. But just like a new baby that's born, everybody gets excited when a baby's born, don't they? I remember our first little baby. Oh, we were so excited. He said his first word. He took his first step. After about eight of them, it was, oh, no, he's talking. Lock all the cabinets. He's walking. You kind of get different perspective on things after a while. But listen, when we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, it says, and that believing, you might have life through his name. How many of you remember the day you believed and God gave you life? Aren't you glad it didn't end right there? Aren't you glad he's given you a purpose each and every day? And each and every day, we're faced with choices. And that believing, you might have life through his name. How many of you have gone to Jesus and said, Dear God in heaven, I pray in Jesus' name that you forgive me for the sins that I have done this week. Name your sins. I'm just using the generic word so you can fill in the blank in your personal life. You see, Jesus said, Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name. Ask that ye may receive that your joy might be full. The best illustration that I can give you of asking and believing in Jesus' name, having life through his name, is that of cashing a check. How many of you have ever cashed a paycheck? Isn't it nice to know the boss has all that money in the bank? That you and everybody else that works at that company can go and give the banker a little piece of paper and they put those few dollars that are left over after taxes in your account. Amen? I mean, it's a wonderful process. And if you don't get taken out of your check, you just got it all took out once during on tax day, right? I mean, that's just the way it works. I hope no one in this room has ever tried this. And please don't. But see, when you go to the bank with a check, you can demand that money because of that little piece of paper. I work a couple days a year for the New York City Board of Elections. And so I'm looking forward to it. We just finished the presidential primary, and in a couple of weeks, I'm going to get a little piece of paper from the city of New York. And I can go to any bank in New York City and I can say, listen, Mayor Bloomberg says I can have this money. And they'll give it to me. But what if I decide to add a few extra zeros on the end? <laughs> Mayor Bloomberg will give me a one-way ticket to Rikers. 
And they'll feed me and take care of me until my sentence is finished, right? You see, I don't have the right to demand what wasn't written on the check. And the reason we don't get our prayers answered and the reason we don't have the joy that God wants us, the reason we don't have the life that Jesus wants us to experience is because we're trying to write out the checks and tell God what He wants to give us when He's already written out the check. And all we have to do is believe through His name. When was the last time I mean, I've heard preachers preach. You better be careful what you pray for. You pray for the will of God. He might give it to you. I'm sorry. I I want the will of God. Whatever it is. By life or by death. I want God's will. Nothing more, nothing less. And I often fail. But I want what He has written down. Because He knows a whole lot better what to do with my life than I do. And when I fail, I can still go to Him in His name and says, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Please, dear God, let's move on tomorrow and let's have that life that is through Your name. You see, I love to preach about salvation. I love to see people get saved. I wish we saw more people get saved than do. But you know what? I found a great deal of my ministry, far more of it is involved in people who are willing to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. But they're not willing to have life through His name because they're not willing to just do what Jesus said in this book called the Bible. want to challenge us that are here this morning. You see, these, these things are written. How many of you have ever gone looking somewhere else for something you should have found in the Word of God? I tell you, if I've got a problem, I don't call up Dr. Phil and ask him what he thinks. Or Oprah Winfrey, or I don't get James Dobson's books, the Christian psychiatrist or psychologist or whatever he claims to be. I don't believe you can be a Christian psychologist. I don't believe you can take this book and the world's books and mix them together and get anything but a lie. If I want answers to life's problems, I want to get into this book. I want to believe what Jesus said in His name. I want to make that decision based upon the name of Jesus. I've often had other preachers say, Hey, do you know any other preachers in the area I can schedule a meeting with? And I said, Yeah, I could give you some names. I said, but if you use my name, I said, that in a subway card will get you right on the subway. I said, I don't know how good my name is with other preachers that they'll have you in. I mean, I've got a few friends that would do that, but most of the guys around here, oh, you're with him? That's not the best advertisement you could give. <laughs> <laughs> 
They're pretty serious over there. They're pretty strict on things. No, God's pretty strict on things. I just want to agree with him. I have no right to ask God for something in Jesus' name that Jesus didn't say. Isn't that true? Do you believe that? Then we need to rewrite our prayer manuals, don't we? We need to rewrite what we pray for. How many of us made decisions based upon the economy instead of Jesus' name? How many of us made decisions based upon what others would think of us rather than what Jesus said? You see, it says here, but these things are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. You have no other place to go. There is no other source of knowledge that is going to help you. And that believing you might have life through His name and the decisions that we make in this life must be based upon the Word of God. When we pray to God, When we pray in His name, what we're doing is we're saying, if Jesus were here, this is what He would pray for. That's a terrifying thought to me. How many of us give enough thought to our prayers that we could even truly and honestly say in Jesus' name, Amen? But that's how you get life, my friend. That's how you have life. That's how you enjoy the life that is spoken of in this verse. And this morning, we are talking about worshiping God, the greatest worship that you can give. The greatest worship I can offer God in heaven today is not just a feel-good, ushy-gushy feeling inside. Oh, Jesus, I love you. We all love you. It's just such a wonderful day. We thank you for the sun and, and the beautiful weather. That's not worship. Worship is the surrender of my will to His name. That's worship. That's real worship. It is going to God the Father with the check written by the Son and saying, this is what you want for me today. This is what I want for me today. That's how you have life. And when you have life in His name, through His name, let me tell you something. It doesn't matter what the economy does. It doesn't matter what the Democrats do or the Republicans. The only thing that matters is what Jesus said. And that's the way a Christian ought to live. That's how you have peace in your heart when everything's falling apart. But these things are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. First of all, will you accept the testimony of this book called the Bible? over the testimony of anything or anyone else? 
If you accept the testimony of this book, you're drawn to one conclusion and one alone. That Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Once you reach that conclusion, believing in Him is what gives you life. That's how you get saved. But guess what? That's how you should live every day till Jesus comes back. And that believing, you might have life through his name. The question is, do you have that life today? If you've trusted Jesus as your Savior, you have part of it. If you want to believe him each and every day, you'll have the joy and the peace that he promises. Praise God, he'll never take your salvation away. But shouldn't you enjoy the trip? That's what this is talking about. We as believers in God should not be the saddest and most despondent of all people on earth. We should have the most joy and the most peace and the most life. In fact, the world ought to be looking at us and saying, I wish I could have that. Amen? I think it was one of those rich guys that I'd give everything I have for one good marriage. And he ought to know he had at least eight bad ones. You follow the word of God, he'll put your marriage together his way. Because only God can repair hearts. You say, I just don't know how to prepare for the future. Uh... When was the last time Wall Street ever met expectations? Or anybody ever met their expectations? I found a new one, a new twist. We have a bunch of new companies that are meeting Wall Street expectations, but they still go down in value because all they did was doctor their books to meet expectations. And so the Wall Street guys are seeing through it and still devaluing the companies. Now, if that makes sense to you, see me afterwards and explain it, because it doesn't make any sense at all to me. You know what it tells me? The smartest guy in the room isn't the smartest guy in the room. Everybody that says they know something, somebody stands up and says, this guy knows everything about this. I turn around and get out of there, because I don't want to have anything to do with that guy. But I can get a hold of Jesus... And he does know everything about everything. He does know what I need to do. And the believing you might have life through his name. If you have a question as to whether you ought to do something, can I do it in the name of Jesus? If you can't, well then don't do it. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. We'll look at this verse, this simple statement. But these things are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Lord, I can't help but believe that in a group this size, there are people here that have not yet arrived there. They have not yet put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ as the only Savior, as their only Lord. 
as the only way to heaven. Lord, I pray that this time spent here today would be at least one step closer to the truth of salvation for them. Lord, I pray for many others who have found the truth of salvation but are just struggling under the weight of living or frustrated because the things that they believe that they need are just beyond their reach just can't ever seem to get where they're supposed to be. Lord, the only true life is through your name, through the name of your Son. We ask that you would open their eyes to see that things are being done, not in the name of Jesus. We ask that you would give us repentant hearts, that the Holy Spirit would have freedom to convict us of what is wrong in our life, that we may turn out of the wrong paths that lead to destruction and into the right paths that lead unto life. Lord, that we may be able to live that life that is spoken of in this verse. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. Have Brother Franz come. Lead us in the hymn of...